0: Hi, my name is Pastor Gardner, and welcome to Masters of the Spirit. Thank you for subscribing to this podcast. And for those who have followed me, thank you. Uh, For the last week, last week's episode, we got over 100 downloads for this this episode. And it looks like um, it's been well received. And my hope is that you can be able to share it, um, like it or subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform it's available on over 11 platforms on 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 the internet google podcasts spotify um, apple podcasts you just look for masters of the spirit and the latest podcast or the latest episode will be available for you for download you can keep it in your phone in your device and be able to listen to it over and over again and if you've got questions. Um, just do send them. Send them as a voice note. You can do that on Anchor or you can send them as a um, text message or you can send them as an email, whichever way you choose and you're comfortable with. You can do that. Then we can go through them. Um, once every seven or so days, I'm, I'm going to take questions um, and uh, you know uh, share my thoughts or I'm going to bring in somebody who is able to uh, dive and dig deeper. Somebody has sent me a message and, you know, kind of asked me, is that a sermon or are you preaching? I mean, definitely not, because I kind of feel like a sermon is unidirectional, you know, just one way. But this, I kind of want to make it omnidirectional, you know, to address all viewpoints so that our minds can be opened our hearts can be opened and in the process we we are provoked to seek the deeper knowledge of of God's things paul says let's leave the elementary doctrine of of christ jesus let's go to maturity and i, I want to provoke that that pursuit for maturity in in the knowledge and in the doctrine of god so that we advance and become better christians better believers but more so better human beings in our communities and societies. And in, in part of doing that, you know, it requires somebody to poke you. And basically this is what I'm doing, just trying to poke you and provoke you so that um, I, I, I awaken um, your sense of desire for deeper knowledge and truths. The subject of today's discussion, if I can call it that, is um, the divinity of humanity. What's so special about man? I mean, I've been there in that place where I'm sitting in a restaurant or I am uh, in, in the middle of church with hundreds and hundreds of people in there, extremely talented, gifted, extraordinary individuals just around you then you start thinking what's so unique about me what's special about me because there's always a general assumption that how i'm gonna succeed in life is a result of how unique and special i am and that question is always an unsettling question because you, you when you ask it you tend to realize you are not that special Because somewhere, somehow, there's always someone that can do whatever it is that you do um, better or equally the same with you somewhere out there in the world. And it takes time to discover the unique proposition that you have for the world that makes you special um, so that um, you change the community and the people around you. And it's not unique as well because David has been there where you, you are in the presence of God, he is in the deepest and in the middle of worship. And instead of asking who you are, he asks, What what am I? Psalms chapter number eight. He asks, What is man that you are mindful of him? He's sort of in that position where he begins to experience, because right he right, understand this, he's in the middle of worship. He's praising God, you've made the heavens, you've made the stars, you've made angels, you've made this, you've made that. Then all of a sudden he realizes the level of attention that God has paid uh, towards man and the level of focus God has and interest God has on man. And he starts asking, what is man? So the question is not a question of identity rather it's 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 a question of nature we've talked about this before um in the book of um in the book of uh um uh in the book of uh uh Exodus where where where, where Moses is on his way um to his assignment uh, to the children of 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 Israel in Egypt. And, and he asked, you know, what is your name? That question was a question of nature rather than a question of um, identity because they already knew God, who God is. But the question was more addressed, you know, describe to me what you are so that I can be able to demonstrate the extent of your power so that people can have faith in you for the message that you are sending me with. And we did discuss that faith then is an oxymoron um, because it demands you to believe in something that you have no knowledge of. Because for you to know God, then you have to know, um, you have to believe in what you don't know so that you may know what you don't know. Which confuses a lot of us because we we've got prerequisites in knowing God we say god i want to know you first before i can have faith that you can do what you are promising that you are going to do but you have to believe first so david is in that place where he's kind of asking that question he's in the middle of worship then probably the presence of god came down heavy on him and he starts to experience senses feelings and is overwhelmed by a higher sense of divinity or divine nature, that he he begins to question himself, what exactly am I? Because what I am feeling is not necessarily a physical sensory, or what I am experiencing is not necessarily um, my, my normal senses. So in that position and in that place, he poses that question. And the question is not to man or to himself but it is to god what is man and addressing that question is important for you as a believer because it helps you to understand how the dimensions in which god is going to relate with you remember this that god is spirit and them that worship god must worship him in spirit and in truth so if god is spirit the general assumption that God is going to relate to us at a spiritual level, but that's not true. Why would God make man as flesh and want to relate it to him as spirit? If God is going to relate to you, he's going to relate to you as one whole unit rather than um, discounted parts. Right. When you go to the book of Genesis chapter number one, let's look at how God creates man Um, in the book of Genesis chapter number one from verse number 26, right to the end of the chapter, God speaks out in a statement of um, invitation or consensus. And he says, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Let him have dominion over the birds of the air, over the fish of the sea and over the creatures of the land. And, God made man in his image and in in his likeness. And he said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. God gives man his mandate. After that, then you go to Genesis chapter number 2. What you see from verse number 3, I believe, then the Bible says, then God made man out of the dust of the earth and breathed his spirit into man, and man became a living soul. So within the context of those two verses, we become fully aware that man is constituted by three parts. Number one, man is constituted by the body, which is the earthly vessel in which the spirit inhibits. Number two, God made man to receive his spirit. The spirit of a man is the autonomous part of God that indwells within man. So your spirit is directly removed as a part of God, but yet it has its own unique identity. It has its own unique um character and it has its own unique function and it indwells within man. And when God took those two things and put them together, the Bible says, and man became a living soul. The third part emerged, which is the soul. This is very interesting because God has three levels of Things that proceed from him. They are things that God created. They are things that God made. But they are things that emerged from the creations and the makings of God. I'm going to explain to this, this to you. God created the heavens and the earth. That word create, it means um, from, from Greek, I believe it's ex nihilo, which means out of nothing. So there are things that God created out of nothing, which is the earth, um, the heavens and the earth. They were created out of nothing. And nothing there, it implies the manifestation of God's word or God's thoughts into substance. So God creation literally means the meditation of God produce substance, this is deep, God is in deep meditation for eons and eons and eons and eons, ages and ages, these thoughts become so heavy with and pregnant with ideas that the power of God literally manifests his thoughts into substance. Then God spoke and said, let there be light. Now that word let, it means permit, which means out of what was created, he made. So making is taking substance that's already there, then reform it, reconstitute it into something. That's why meditation is so important and so powerful because meditation, which is a function of thoughts, can literally bring into manifestation things that were non-existent into substance. Uh, At a human level, it actually means when you live in meditation, your thoughts can call into existence things that were originally not in your destiny to come across. You can be meditation, you can meditate to reshape your reality in the way in which you see fit. I, I don't know whether you see this. I don't know whether you see, see this. As a man thinketh, so is he. So if my reality is poverty, my reality is weakness, my reality is pain, meditation can reconstitute that into something else because the depths of my thoughts, the weight of my thoughts, and remember this, in the realms of the spirit, the loudest voice is the voice of thoughts. That's why from from the book of Daniel, when Gabriel approaches Daniel, he said to him, the day that you thought to pray, your meditations, your meditations called out to me. Before you actually prayed, you were so pregnant with meditative thoughts that heaven could not be silent. Heaven had to address and attend to whatever it is that you're meditating on and i mean if you have had a spiritual experience before one of the things that you're going to know is uh, when you when you are speaking to 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 um to angels is you literally don't see their mouths moving you know what they are saying you can hear what they are saying but they are literally, your mind cannot wrap wrap around the movement of their lips or the emanation of their voices. I don't know what your experience is. You can kindly share your experience, you know, with others. But literally, that's that's what happens, in my experience. And and when you move from there, you know, the, the response is at at a thought level, even when God speaks to you. God's voice is at some point it is audible but most often God's voice is 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 silent it's unvocalized you know what he's saying without hearing what he's saying your senses of the spirit have been so sharpened that you know what God is saying without vocalization of what he's saying and i i hope it 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 sort of makes sense uh, to you, so when you, when you're looking at it, uh, uh, he's in his meditation and he's thinking, and and David is in that point where he's w- worshiping, but it hits him and he's asking, "What is man that that you are mindful of him?" And after God creates the heavens and the earth, then He creates man, then He makes the flesh of a man. He makes the flesh of a man from the dust. So the flesh of a man is a derivative of the dust of the earth. Then from there, the spirit of a man was infused as an impartation, an imprint of God's DNA into mankind. And when that imprint was imprinted into the flesh, drawn into the flesh, breathed into the flesh, what happens? Man becomes a living soul. He emerges, a soul emerges. So for all the things that God created, the soul is the, the only thing that God has not created. It's the only thing that God did not make. I'm repeating that again so that you get it. That's why God has got such a great desire for your soul. Now, let, let, let's let's break it down. A lot of people argue the soul is the same thing as, as the spirit, and the spirit... Is the same thing as a soul. Those words um, they are used interchangeably um, in, in, in in the Bible, but there is a difference between soul and spirit. Now, the spirit is in 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 uh, um, in in in, uh, in the Bible. You, you will see the, there is always a difference between the spirit and the soul in terms of references. Sometimes they use it mixed, but there is a difference. When you look at the spirit, we'll look at the spirit first. Now look, look, at, look at man like this. Look at men as three circles intersecting each other. Three circles intersecting each other with the body at one extreme, with the spirit at the other extreme, and with the soul right in the middle. The Bible says by the agreement of two a thing is established. So a man's character, direction in life is always a reflection of the agreement or the 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 the, the, the unity of the will of two. Either you are living by the agreement of your soul and your body by doing that it means that you are dead or you are agreeing by living by the agreement of your spirit and your soul. And by doing that, you are alive to the to the spirit. The body is always a passive member of the human community because you are a community. I mean, if you have got body, soul, and spirit, you are a community. In the same way, the Trinity is a community of divinity. Uh, m- mankind is also... A, 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 a trinity of uh, humanity. So the spirit, let's look at it as the will of life. Now, the body can be there, but without the spirit, there is no life. Right? So the body bears the will of life. The day that you die, Is the day either your spirit is convinced to leave your body or it is forced to leave your body? When you are bewitched, your spirit will be forced to leave your body because witchcraft has rendered your body useless and inhabitable for the spirit. Or when your days have come, your spirit will lose the will to live and accept life on 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 within your body now look, look at this when when you when you take two colors and you mix them you take red and 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 blue when you mix them you produce a different color when you take blue and red you produce a different color that's that's exactly what the soul is the soul emerges now the soul is always the dominant force Because the soul is the sense of life. The soul constitutes your heart and mind, or it's a fusion of your heart and mind. Your heart dealing with emotion, but your mind dealing with reason and logic. Within your heart and mind comes self-consciousness which is the sense of identity, which is the sense of self-knowing. From the two comes also will for action, will to do. Also comes emotions, anger, happiness, joy, frustration. Um, You can list all of them. And your soul is the gateway to either your body or to your spirit. It is through your soul that you can access your spirit or your body. That's why you can feed your soul with toxic stuff and it literally affects your body. I, I, I mean, you can watch so much TV which is feeding your soul until your body body literally starts to get affected but then you go to the body the body is the manifestation of life the body is the evidence of life when we're saying you are alive it's the healthiness of your body it's the movement of your body it's the beating of your heart the flowing of your blood it's the activities that you do, then we say, no, this person is alive. Your body gives you world consciousness. Through your body, you are conscious of your environment. Through your senses, which is sight, which is hearing, which is touch, which is taste and smell. And with your soul, you build connections and you build interactions with others. So your body brings self consciousness, and through self consciousness, you connect with others. Then your spirit brings God consciousness through understanding, sensitivity, and awareness. Your spirit is aware of certain knowledges that are not known by your body or by your soul or by your mind and heart. Your spirit senses certain things that your body cannot make sense of or your soul cannot make sense of, but only your spirit knows. You can wake up in deep emptiness. For example, Jesus says, my soul is deeply grieved. Before he goes to, while he's in the garden of Gethsemane, he says, my soul is deeply grieved. When he says, my soul is deeply grieved, his soul is getting an imprint of spiritual senses or sensitivity or awareness. His spirit is now aware that the hour of death is coming. And in his soul, it manifests as grief. And in his body, it manifests as tears of blood. Because whatever happens in your spirit can affect your soul and can affect your body. And I want you to see this. In your spirit, you can experience emptiness. You can experience loneliness. You can experience hopelessness and spiritual disorders of all sorts. At the same time, in your spirit, you can experience joy, you can experience happiness, you can experience peace. Then from there, you can experience within your soul emotional stability. You can experience fulfillment, or you can experience emotional instability, mental anguish, and arresting and paralysis of will you just have no will to do anything that's why laziness is something to do is is very something that's very difficult to deal with because it's a paralysis of will it exists within the soul and in the body you can experience all sorts of things you can experience um instinct sorry you can yeah you can experience instinct and you can experience sickness weakness Disease, but you can also experience strength, you can also experience health, and you can also experience um, a wholeness in some way. Now, when there is positivity, which is experiencing all the good things that that God has set for men, you have what is called wholeness, or oneness. So when you've got peace in your heart, And you've got peace in your mind, health in your body, and peace in your spirit. That is called wholeness. You are whole. And when you are whole, you experience God in a deeper level than you experience him when you are unwhole. I want you to see this, that there's a general assumption that is there. That your spirit is more important of the trinity of your humanity. But that's not true. That's not true at all. A powerful spirit with a weak body renders purpose temporary. If you are seeking your body, and you are stressed in your mind, but you are a powerful intercessor, what's going to happen is it's going to render your purpose temporary. Your assignment is going to be temporary because before you know it, you're going to die. Or if your body is healthy, but you are stressed, you are worried in your mind, in your soul, in your mind and in your heart, you are heartbroken, what's going to happen is Even with a powerful spirit, you are going to make bad decisions. You are going to make emotional decisions, and you are going to self-implode. You are going to destroy your own call. You are going to destroy your own assignment. And on the other hand, if your spirit is weak, no matter how motivated you are in your soul, and no matter how healthy you are in your body, what's going to happen is, you're going to be ineffective within your core. You're going to be ineffective. You're going to be vulnerable to spiritual attacks. There must be a balance. But what's more important, that's why the Bible says, guard your heart jealously. For out of it comes forth the issues of life. Because your soul is literally the gateway. It's the doorway. And if your soul through your heart and mind is not guarded, That's why the Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why is it important? Because all of that is part of the soul, the health of your soul. Your soul must be healthy. We are in a disastrous church in this season because we have people who have got healthy spirits, powerful prayer warriors, full of knowledge, full of revelation, understanding of the scriptures, who are healthy in the body. But their souls are sick, addicted to pornography, addicted to soulish desires, addicted to the instruments of the enemy set to indoctrinate and to render faith useless. That's the state of the church today. There is no reformation of the soul. And the problem is... The reformation of the soul is something that doesn't happen in a single day. The Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So whatever happens in your soul is definitely going to either arrest or catapult your progress as an individual. I want you to see this because when you are relating with God, when you are relating with God, God is after your soul because he's the gateway, he's the access. Even God speaks it to Cain. He says to Cain, be careful, because sin is sitting at the door of your heart. If you are not careful, it is going to master your heart. It's going to master you. Now, I'm really letting it sink in, you know. God is speaking to Cain. Cain. And he's saying sin is sitting. So how does sin start? Sin is an idea. It's a feeling. That's scratching your heart. That's scratching your heart. If you entertain it, it is going to get into your soul and it's going to control your mind. When it controls your mind, it controls your decisions. When it controls your decisions, it controls both your body and your spirit. Now, 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 why is this important? It's a warning that's been given to Cain. He's saying, God is saying to Cain, be more deliberate about what you allow into your soul. Because what you allow into your soul is literally going to end up in your body or is going to end up in your spirit. Some of the sicknesses that people experience are sicknesses that have come through the soul. And some of the bondages of the spirit that people have experienced or are experiencing are literally bondages that come through the spirit, the soul. It, it, it got into your soul. Then after it got into your soul, it got into your, to your heart. Then from your heart, it went into your spirit. Then it, it got into your mind. Then from your mind, in, it, it went into your body. Um, I mean, doctors will tell you if you are living in a high stress job or if you are working a high stress job. Eventually, your body starts to break down because it it affects your body. Whatever ideas that come into your mind or the level of uh, stress and anxiety that comes into your mind is gonna eventually affect your body. And same thing with your spirit, that um, whatever gets into your soul. Now, if you, you something this is out something is gonna be transferred for from from your soul into um um from your soul into your into into your spirit whatever you you meditate on that's why god says to to joshua meditate on this word why is he saying meditate uh, on this word because whatever you meditate on it transforms your spirit and affects your body. It transforms your spirit, or it af- and affects your body. So if if I meditate on something, someone comes and whispers to you, "You are a bad person," or "You are a failure," or "You struggle." What's going to happen is you're going to think about that, think about that, think about that, think about that, think about that. Then it will start affecting your emotions. When it starts affecting your emotions, it will trickle into your spirit and make your spirit sick. If your spirit is weak because you are not prayerful or you don't have the word of God, basically this is what your spirit feeds on. Your spirit feeds on divine virtue. Divine virtue is words. Words are divine. Something that is divine is not necessarily godly. Some way, Satan is divine, but he is not godly because he proceeds from God. Now, if words are divine, the anointing is divine. The anointing is divine. And thoughts, are divine. Thoughts are divine. And all these three things can affect your spirit. Either empower it or disempower it. So when I'm sitting there and I'm busy thinking, I'm busy thinking, I'm busy thinking about... That's why the Bible says whatever is good, whatever is lovely, think upon these things. Because when you learn to fill your soul with positive And godly knowledge godly thoughts it brings a positive strength and effect to your spirit and it removes the dross that is we are picking up as we go as we move into the world it it means that you have to be more deliberate about what you hear you more deliberate about what you feed your soul you you have to feed your soul with substance that brings knowledge, understanding, and strength. Why these things are important is because they are going to affect the wholeness of your being as an individual. I want you to see this because as, as you move, the question that you have is, as you move, how does God relate to me? God is going to relate to you at all three levels. God is going to relate to you at all three levels. How does God relate to you at all three levels? God relates to you at all three levels, in the way of either relating to you at a spirit level, relate to you at a soulish level, or relate to you at a bodily or sensory level. When God relates to you at a spirit level, what God does is he brings in divine virtue into your life in the form of the anointing, the presence of God, or the glory of God. These three things, either the anointing, the presence of God, or now the anointing, the purpose of the anointing is to manifest what is in your spirit. This is how God is going to relate to you. The purpose of the anointing is to manifest or to amplify what is in your spirit. And what is in your spirit is expressed either through your soul or through your body. For example, we talk about the gifts of the spirit. Where do the gifts of the spirit abide? They abide in your spirit. But when the anointing comes, say, for example, the gift to discern, which is the gift to distinguish between spirits. That gift it indwells within your spirit. But when the anointing comes, the anointing amplifies, because the word gift comes from the word charisma. And charisma comes from the word or is rudely or crudely expressed as character. And character just represents a, a part, one part of the whole. So when i are saying the gifts of the Spirit, we're saying parts of the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. So in other words, God is going to give the characteristic of the Holy Spirit to separate between spirits, between good spirits and bad spirits, which is discerning of spirits. And that what it gives me is when the anointing then comes, sometimes because an anointing is always a function of grace. Now, when Adam lost the glory, the flesh became dominant. This is how exactly how it happened. When Adam submitted, what did Adam submit? Eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He submitted to appetite. Appetite is one of man's most basic instincts it's literally an animalistic instinct by which man has been programmed in his flesh to ensure his survival you don't eat you don't control your your eating by your will your body will force you to eat it, it the longer you stay without eating it starts ringing an alarm, it starts ringing an alarm, ringing an alarm, red bells, red bells, ringing an alarm to tell you it's time to eat, to ensure your survival. Because God knows that the heart of a man is deceptive, unreliable. So if God had put it within your heart to ensure your sustenance and survival, then you some of us would be dead, you know, because we've got bad eating habits. So God literally then programmed it within your body to say, you you have to eat, you have to eat, you have to eat. Same thing with sight. You cannot control what you want to see or, or whether you want, you see or not. The moment you open your eyes, lights get into your eyes, you are gonna see. Same thing with smell. A whiff passes in front of your nose, you're gonna smell, it's instinctual. So when Adam gave in to Appetite and Eve, they submitted to a lower function of humanity so instead of them living as spiritual people expressing expressing a spiritual knowledge through the soul and manifesting it in, through the body they started they submitted to a base function so when god says because you have done this you know the earth shall bring forth thorns and thistles. Um, when you shall give birth, you shall labour. Your desire shall be your husband for your husband. It's not a curse. God is pronouncing that you are now functioning in the lower base. You are not functioning at a lower level. <laughs> you are now functioning at um, literally your most primal level. You're functioning as as the least of the potential that you can function in. You're going to be ruled by your appetite. The earth shall bring forth. You're going to be ruled by pain. You're going to be ruled by desire. You're going to be ruled by literally the base functions of soul and body, which means the agreement shall be between soul and body, which is how a lot of people live. We we go to church, we pray for less, less reasonable things, I've known people who go to church for 25 years because they want God to bless them. <laughs> you know, you know how, how 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 bad that looks. You know. People who go to church because they're afraid of going to hell. You cannot be motivated by fear because fear is a lower function of humanity. You know, put in there to ensure your survival. You know, so you 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 can be you know, you can run away from danger. That's 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 instinct. So you can't you you can you can't be afraid of, of 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 hell that you you're not aware of. Your salvation must be motivated by higher knowledge, which is the desire to know God. So when when you submit to the law function, which is what Adam did, well, by doing that. He relegated himself to, that exactly happened to Nebuchadnezzar. A lot of people have literally asked. Nebuchadnezzar became so self-elevated, proud, that he disconnected his spirit and his soul from his body. He literally disconnected himself. He put in a bridge or he put in a, a wall, literally, a wall to separate, and he began to function in an animalistic level. He began to function like an animal with no sense of reasoning, with no sense of, 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 of giving into appetite. Basically, an animal, an, an animal lives by survival instinct. animal lives to eat and to procreate, those are the basic instincts of, 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 of an animal it will live, to eat and procreate that's, that's what an animal does and that's what Nebuchadnezzar did, the Bible says he went on, his, on all fours and he began to eat grass like a beast, the Bible doesn't even say an animal it says beast and beast is like you know, an animal sounds nicer but beast, that's God saying you've gone to the lowest level that's what 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 you know what happens to Nebuchadnezzar, and this is this is this is what exactly Adam does. Adam, you know, does that he submits to the lower functions of his body, which is appetite, and when he does that, he makes it difficult for uh, for God to reach out to him. That's why when you are living in your lower instincts, you are living to have fun, you are living to eat, and you know, to to be married. The Bible says in the last days, people shall be eating and drinking, marrying and giving into marriage. You know, those are the basic functions of humanity. Be fruitful and multiply. Eat. Not even basic function, that's like animal level. You eat, find where the most greenest grass is and where the water holes are and eat and find wives and, and women and make children. That's that's exactly how people are living these days. People are starting businesses, building empires, so that they can live a good life and enjoy the pleasures of the flesh. That's exactly, and that separates you from God. Because when you are connected to God, you begin to experience the higher functions of God or the higher functions of humanity. You begin to experience temperance, self-control, which are called the fruits of the Spirit. Why are they fruits of the Spirit? Because they are nurtured are not called gifts of the spirit but they are fruits you cannot expect to harvest a fruit without nurturing something you have to nurture it you have to groom it you have to water it you have to tend to it you have to cut off some leaves you have to cut off some branches you have to trim it and you have to make sure that it's well cared for before you can experience or before you can harvest the fruits and that's what exactly god wants he wants us to experience the fruits of the spirit and when people We hear the fruits of the Spirit, they think it's the fruits of the Holy Spirit. It's not the fruits of the Holy Spirit, but it's the fruits of the Spirit, the fruits of your spirit. Your spirit is manifesting and living it to its fullest potential, and the fruits are being seen in your soul and in your body. That's fruits of the Spirit. The fruits, people can see the evidence. A spiritual man is able to express self-control. A spiritual man is able to live in temperance, which is governing your appetites. A a spiritual man is able to control the the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the the, the pride of life. He's able to control all of that, you know. He's able to manage it. But an unspiritual man, man with a weak and unhealthy spirit, will give in to appetite, cannot fast, cannot pray, because prayer is a function of character. You cannot be prayerful unless you are able to have self-control or you are able to manage your appetites, your appetite for fun, or your appetite for, for relaxing, because t- prayer is work. Same thing with with um with uh 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 uh, uh Uh, Reading the Bible, it's a function of character. There is a level of character that is required for you to have the discipline to be able to read scripture, to read the word of God. Same thing with your body. You are only able to live in perfect health if you've got the highest levels of the fruits of the spirit. And God then relates to you when you are living in the full health of your spirit expressed within your soul through good decisions, sound mind, and 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 love. And then the agreement of two will make your body to become a passive member of the triune nature of your, your being. Your body will only do that way. That's why Paul was crying who shall save me from this body of sin because what I will to do is not what I do and what I don't want to do is what I end up doing he's saying there is a constant struggle within my, my the, within the the the, the, tr- tr- the trinity of who I am my body wants to do this it wants to function in instinct my body wants to to eat in the morning in the afternoon and evening my soul wants to feel good my soul just wants to you know be loved and love and live for love and and experience the pleasure of 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 company conversation and 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 entertainment, and my spirit wants to worship God, wants to pray, wants to fast my spirit wants to search for god, and there 's a constant battle and paul is saying, "I need somebody, I need someone to help me, but who's the person who can help you it 's God, how does he help you the word and the anointing through the Holy Spirit. When the word comes, it empowers your spirit. It it, it empowers, it transforms your mind and empowers your spirit. When the anointing comes, the anointing comes and strengthens the unity of your being. Whatever is in your spirit, it it, it starts to also manifest in your soul, your thoughts. Whatever is in your thoughts, it also starts to manifest in your body. That's why you see... Jesus is is walking, and there's a crowd around him. And somebody comes and doesn't even touch his body, touches his clothes. When someone tags at your clothes, your physical senses are going to send someone tag my my clothes, and your mind is going to register, someone touched me. But your spirit, if you have virtue in the unity of being, you're going to sense the virtue came out. Now, anybody could have told I've been pulled and anybody could have have sensed from his body, someone has touched me. But sensing that virtue has come out of you, it means that there is a unity of being. You are constantly living aware of your spiritual environment, physical environment, and psychological environment. That's the perfect being that God wants. That's why the Bible says, and God would come, in the cool of the day, to fellowship with Adam, why did he come in the cool of the day? Because if he came during the day when it was searing hot, the body would be text. you'd talk to God for two minutes and be like, "God, please, I need a drink or I need to go to the, the water and that 's why fellowship is is never just random fellowship, but with god is it's always it, it's always it 's always timely god uh, does it timely God sometimes does it uh, come comes to you. You know, and fellowship when you when you are a weak Christian, God fellowships with you in the place when your soul and your body is weakest, which is your dream world. That's why a lot of people come and say, you know, God is speaking to me in dreams. But that's that's the lowest level at which God speaks to a man. Because when you are sleeping, your soul is 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 literally passive and your body is pacified. Your body is inactive. It's not disturbing. It's literally resting and, and recuperating. But with your soul, your soul is away. Your, your, soul, your, soul, your soul, again, is passive. The thoughts are not interrupting. The, the, the sensibilities are not interrupting. The heart is not interrupting. The, the Consciousness is not interrupting. It's just the subconscious, which is just recording. Then God comes, and your, but your spirit is awake. So, so God then speaks to you at your weakest, but then that's not the intention of God. That's why the Bible says God speaks to every man once, twice in a dream, in a vision. Job Job, job, job chapter number uh, the 33, I think, you know, once or twice in a dream, in a vision, he terrifies him on the bed of sleep, you know, and, 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 and warns him that he may not fall into a pit, why does God use that to, to send warnings in, in, in dreams? That's why people are always having bad dreams. Bad dreams mostly are a reflection of danger that is ahead because you're making bad decisions. You're yeah. making bad decisions for your spirit and your body. If you make decisions to pray, spend time in prayer, spend time in prayer, it's going to strengthen your spirit and the warnings are going to become less because your your, your dreams are, are is in spirit, a reflection of your spiritual awareness of your spiritual environment. So if you are dreaming dogs chasing after you, you are literally dreaming that you are in a state of panic, you are in a state of, of pursuit, you are weak. You know, the, the Bible says your enemies shall scatter in seven different directions, you know. So if your enemies are chasing after you, then it means your spirit is weak. So if your spirit is weak, then it means you must commit time For prayer to strengthen your spirit. Pursue the anointing of God. When you pursue the anointing of God, it becomes easier to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible even says that God cannot speak to a tormented mind. So if in my soul I am stressed, I am tormented, I am worried, I am going to hear Phantom voices, you're going to hear demonic voices and you're going to think that it's God speaking to you, but you are not in a place of peace. You must be in a place of peace for you to be able to accurately hear what God is saying. I've I've seen people who, I mean, I, 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 I've seen people who, who have misinterpreted their dreams and made um, all sorts of decisions. I've done it. Not once, not twice, not three times, not four times. I've done it quite a lot. You know, you 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 have a dream and you interpret it from the soul and you make a decision based on that. And and I've I've seen people who have thought they had God, but yet it was fear speaking to them, you know, because their spirit is weak. Now now if if your spirit is weak, this is how God God, God is gonna work with you a little line, a little here, a little there. Line after line, precept after, precept after precept. So God builds his voice progressively in your life. Speaking to you, building you so that your spirit may, may, may be able to hear in fullness. And that has to do with the balance and the unity of your nature as a human being. If You are in constant conflict. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. But we need you to be in the right spirit, in the right state. So to do that, you have to feed your mind, feed your heart, feed your spirit, feed your body, and experience a great revival. And all of that starts with prayer. Genesis chapter number 4, And man began calling upon the name of the Lord. When you are in distress, your soul is in distress, your body is in distress, your spirit is in distress, what do you do? You start with prayer. Before you seek to hear what God has to say, never seek to hear what God is to say when you are in distress. Because even when you hear God in distress, you are going to misconstrue, you are going to take the voice of God in the wrong way. Start with prayer. Even if you read the Bible, you are still going to manipulate the Bible to fit your own kernel kernel intentions and desire. Start with prayer. Constant, consistent, seasonless prayer. Start with prayer, then build yourself with the knowledge of the Word of God. The Bible makes sense if you are prayerful. It makes spiritual, divine sense when you are prayerful. You align your spirit with the truth. Then from there, go to to spiritual exercises. Serve God. Serve God with your body. Don't defile your body. Connect your body to the things of God, to the things of the spirit, and you will live in perfect harmony and walk with God. The Bible says, I'm going to conclude with this. I kind of lost my mind there. You know, I was kind of being drawn in. <laughs> you know, the Bible, you know, says an Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. You know what, what that tells me? There was perfect synchrony. They, they were synchronized, you know, <laughs> they were synchronized. God walks left, he walks left. Not after, not later, at the same time. That's what God wants. Jesus even says it, I do what I see my father do. (laughs) As he's doing it, I'm doing it, you know. So that's why he was looked at as a strange person, because he never repeated the same miracle twice, never preached the same sermon twice, never counseled the same person twice, you know, in the same way, because he was doing what he was seeing the father do god is full of surprises and i believe that he wants to surprise us he wants to move us and motivate us and uh, bring us into the place of perfect harmony once you are in perfect harmony it's easy to succeed it's easy to prosper and it's easy to um walk with god it's not it's not that difficult it's hard but it's not that difficult it's painful but it's not that difficult it only requires making decisions within your soul if you make a decision choose today this is this is what joshua says says choose today you know it's a choice you know it's a choice literally it's a choice god is a choice away it's a choice you choose nothing about prophecy nothing about you know all those superfluous things that we think of it's a choice in your own house in your own place you make a decision and say today i'm drawing close to you God is ready. He was ready yesterday. He was ready today. And he's ready, you know, tomorrow. He's waiting for you. And if you can make that decision, God bless you. And um, when you come next time or in the next episode, we're going to be talking about spiritual senses. We're going to get deeper into that. And, um, you know, see more what God has to do. This episode was a bit long, but I know you you can take it. You're hungry. You can take it. I can also take it for the sake of the kingdom. May God bless you. See you next time and subscribe.